come to the last in the series today on the welcoming grace of Jesus. And we're looking at the, uh, the really well-known story of Zacchaeus from Luke chapter 19 and verses 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. Let's pray. Jesus, this is a living word. Lord, this is not history. This is not an interesting story confined to a kind of religious history book. Jesus, we, we believe that your word has power to change lives. And so, Lord, we pray that you would change us today. Lord, help those who are seeking you to find you even today. Holy Spirit, would you come in power now and open up your, your word to us that we might not just hear it, but that we might respond to it just as Zacchaeus did and that we might be changed in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you want a summary of uh, the Gospel of Luke, what's the Gospel of Luke all about? Well, verse 10 is it, really. This is, this is uh, Luke's Gospel. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save uh, what was lost. Well, what does it mean, that language? Um, lost, save. These are not terms that um, our culture understands today. Um, we simply, people will not understand you if you talk about being saved today. They just won't get it. Um, we, we talk of saving these days. It's normally in the context of uh, saving money in TV shows like the Martin Lewis Money Show. That's the kind of context that people talk about saving. But it's also worth reminding ourselves that there was confusion too in the time of Jesus about what it meant to be saved. The religious people such as the Pharisees and teachers of the law believed that they were basically saved at birth that you were, as a Jew, you were brought into God's chosen people as his chosen nation, and that all you had to do to be saved and to enter into eternal life was to maintain your place in God's people by keeping the rules and keeping all the commands. So long as you kept the commands, did your best, then you would remain as God's chosen people and you would keep God's blessing. That was what, how they understood salvation. So they were confused as well. And Jesus um, came to say that actually lost people need to seek him and they find salvation through him, not by being born into a particular group of people. 
and not by keeping the rules either. What's, that's all very well though, you say, what, but that isn't really the, the, the deal for people today. Today the issue is that many people neither recognize God nor his commands or rules. They don't even know that they need Jesus, quite frankly. There is an interest in spirituality, isn't there, out there? People are into new age stuff, they're looking at mixing and matching Buddhism with crystals and all kinds of uh, meditation techniques. There's, there's an interest in spirituality. People are searching and seeking for more than this life offers, but they're often not seeking Jesus in the way that Zacchaeus was. So how do we help people understand this language of being saved? Well, we need to understand the context of the imagery of a shepherd and sheep that's behind Jesus' language here. Um, in, the, the, in the ancient Near East, if, if sheep became scattered and wandered away from the, from the shepherd, they were at risk of being killed by wild animals or by getting stuck in high places and starving to death or in suffering an injury and starving to death that way because they would have no ability to gather food. And lost sheep are a metaphor for people who are wandering aimlessly and who experience um, meaninglessness, emptiness, who lack meaning, purpose, joy, and a fulfilled life. And who ultimately miss out on eternal life. Um, they represent people who are starving spiritually. Many people in our world are starving spiritually and they don't know where to satisfy that hunger. It's as if there's a hole in their lives and they don't know how to fill it. They've found that holidays, material possessions, um, pleasure-seeking don't fill the hole that's at the center of their lives. So they're searching for fulfillment and happiness, but they haven't found it. And the good news that we as Christians have to offer people is that satisfaction, fulfillment, joy, contentment, meaning, purpose are found in Jesus, right? He's the one they need. Psalm 23 says that, points ahead to Jesus, the good shepherd, who leads us through the darkness, the evil of this world, who leads us to still waters and who restores our soul, if we will trust him, he will lead us through the difficulties and struggles and darkness of this life into an eternal home with God. So when Jesus said in verse 10, for the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost, what he meant was there are people in your family, your workplace, your community, your neighbors who are like lost sheep, scattered, wandering away from home, who are at risk of missing out on eternal life and who are starving for spiritual food. They're empty, they're lacking fulfillment and purpose and meaning in life. They're like sheep wandering around unable to find the shepherd. And our job is to point them to the good shepherd, to Jesus. That's what the language of salvation means in its context. That's what lostness means in its context. 
So rather than just throwing out and rejecting religious language in scripture, we need to look at the context. Why is Jesus using words like lost and saving? He's using it about sheep and shepherds, right? He's not just being religious. It means something. And that's, so we need to get out the commentaries, get out the dictionaries and do a bit of work sometimes to dig and find out how to communicate this message, right? Does that make sense? Okay, good. So I want to look at three ways today that the example of Zacchaeus meeting Jesus instructs us how to point people to find Jesus. There are people in our world seeking answers, seeking the meaning of life. How do we point them to Jesus? Three ways. First, uh, we need to help people seeking Jesus to find him. You'd say, that's a bit obvious. Second, we need to help people understand that they need to invite Jesus into their lives. And third, we need to help people repent by showing them the need to turn away from living for themselves, to turn around and to follow Jesus. All of those aspects are needed. So first, we need to help people seeking Jesus to find him. Zacchaeus was seeking to know more about Jesus, and he went out of his way to do so. Look at verses 1 to 4. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. Being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. This is surprising because Zacchaeus was not what you describe as a spiritual man, not a religious type. He was a chief tax collector. He was at the top of the tree in his profession. He worked for the Romans, the oppressors, as a Jew. So you can imagine he wasn't the most um, uh, popular individual. If he went out on the street, people would abuse him and uh, avoid him, right? And he was rich. And the reason he was rich was because tax collectors working for the Romans, extorted more tax than they should do out of the Jewish people. So he was even more unpopular because he was rich. So in other words, he was corrupt. And just to make matters worse, so he can get a glimpse of Jesus, he makes himself even more visible by climbing a tree so that everybody can look up and go, oh, there's Zacchaeus, the, the horrible, despised tax collector. He humiliates himself so he can get a, a, a glimpse of Jesus by climbing a tree because he can't see because of the crowds. Perhaps he's met Jesus before. Perhaps he's heard Jesus speak before. Perhaps he's heard about Jesus. This guy is on the outside. I don't know if you've ever felt on the outside of society. You know, somebody who doesn't fit in, anybody? Somebody who is not particularly welcomed by other people for whatever reason. Well, Jesus welcomes you. Other people may not, but Jesus loves you and he invites himself to come and dine with you because <laughs> he loves you and loves to spend time with you. I hope that's good news to you. There are people today seeking answers to life's questions. 
Unlike Zacchaeus, though, many people have not heard about Jesus, or if they have, they kind of know a little bit from school, and it's a bit confused. Do you know what I mean? Some people believe Jesus was God, some people don't. Some people believe that he was raised from the dead, some people don't, you know, and so on. Um, I looked at the, the latest Talking Jesus report, 2022, which is pretty up to date, and it identifies these are the questions that people today out there are asking about life's meaning and purpose. All right. These are not Christians. These are non-Christians who've been interviewed by comrades on the street. The top questions that people are asking in life are these. Is there any hope for the future of our world? It's not surprising, is it? It's not going too well with the world, is it? I don't know if you've noticed. It's a mess. So when people reject God and faith, it doesn't seem to be working, does it? The rejection of Christian faith. Is there more to life than this? Than working and careers and family and holidays? Is there more? Hopefully people are seeking the answer. Yes, there is. Is it possible, people are asking, to find greater happiness in life? In other words, people are not happy. I don't know, when's the last time you walked around a shopping centre and seen the faces of the people wandering around aimlessly? They look lost. Anyone? I, my heart goes out to, you, you go in a crowd of people anywhere, any high street or shopping centre in Britain, look at the faces. People look lost. They look depressed. They look despondent and they, they might have shopping bags full of stuff, but they haven't got Jesus. Sorry to be so simple about it, but it's what I notice. You notice that? Your heart just goes out to them. You find yourself praying, Lord, help these people. Reach out to them, Lord. Even use me. We have good news to give to the world. Sometimes as Christians, I think we, we feel like we're forcing uh, something on people that they don't want. You know, like, a, like a, a, an expensive vacuum cleaner or something, you know? You know those uh, people that come to the door and they try and, uh, you know, demonstrate a night. You, you're not going to spend five grand on a vacuum cleaner, right? But you'll have the demo because it might clean part of your carpet. You're never going to buy it. That's not what's going on here. We have genuinely good news to give to people, right? Jesus said, I have come that you may have life in all its fullness. To people who are depressed and anxious out there, and there are a growing number of them, Jesus gives fullness of life. To those who are racked with shame and guilt about past um, failure and disappointment, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. To those who are hungry for something that might satisfy them beyond career and material possessions and prosperity and all the rest of it, Jesus says, I am the living bread which satisfies. We have good news. People are already feeling the pain of living in this world, right? They're already feeling lost. They're already feeling empty. We're not telling them anything they don't know. 
but we are offering them Jesus, the fullness of life. The same uh, uh, Talking Jesus report gives some interesting statistics. 75% of people who become Christians today do so before the age of 18. 75%. So if you're in a merge, you are doing the most important work that you could ever be doing. 75% become Christians before the age of 18. We know this, don't we? Historically, many of us came to faith through Crusaders or Boys Brigade or Girls Brigade or Sunday School, you know, it's, or being brought up in a Christian home. It's not rocket science, is it? It's still the same today. The landscape's changed. The same things work. We just have to change the way that we do it. Research shows that growing up in a Christian family accounts for most people, 34%, finding faith in Jesus. So parents, you are grandparents. Parents, you are incredibly important to your children finding faith, right? The next most significant factor in people finding faith today is reading the Bible at 24%. Did you know that? Incredible. So don't... Don't ever stop thinking the Bible is out of date and irrelevant. No. The joint third most significant factors in people seeking and finding faith today, 19% attending a Sunday church service. Better start inviting. Or Sunday school. Do you hear that? So children and young people are most open to seeking and finding faith in Jesus today. It's always been the case. Always. Never been any different. So don't stop praying. We're getting to the end of um, October prayer and fasting, aren't we, on Tuesday? You've got a few more days to keep praying through. Do not stop praying for Sunday and Monday Emerge and for toddler groups. Because if you want to see people come to faith in, in numbers, they will, there you will see them come to faith. However, I'm going to say this, to be balanced and inclusive, it is quite obvious that if people find faith through coming to church, when you invite people to come to church or you give them scripture to read, they might also find faith. So people who come to Bereavement Cafe, Coffee Stop, uh, Alpha, Senior Saturday, toddler groups, if you invite them to church or share scripture with them, don't be surprised if some of them start to come to church or find faith, right? Second, we need to help people understand that they need to invite Jesus into their lives. Um, people describe themselves as Christians, don't they? Because they say, I live in a Christian country. No, you're not a Christian until you invite Jesus into your heart. Um, notice that although Zacchaeus was seeking Jesus out, it was Jesus who took the initiative and said to Zacchaeus, verse 5, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Now, this was really good news for Zacchaeus because he didn't get many dinner party invitations, right? He never got invited out. Never. Nobody wanted to be around this guy. And there's Jesus that talks about prophet, potential messiah, teacher, respected rabbi, miracle worker, going, Zacchaeus, I've got to eat with you today. 
he must have gone, Woohoo! It's me. Nobody else has welcomed me. But Jesus, the most important person, says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm coming to your house to eat. Eating in the ancient Near East was a sign of welcome, forgiveness, friendship, inclusion. Big deal. So effectively, Jesus is saying to Zacchaeus, I know your heart. I saw your heart up in the tree there, and I know that you're seeking me. I know that you're hungry for me. I know that you want answers in life and that the answers are in me. And I know that you believe that I'm the answer. So he says, come down, I'm going to eat with you and we're going to find faith together today. And Zacchaeus goes, yeah, come on home. There are Zacchaeuses around today in your workplace, your family, your community, no direction, purpose in life, feeling like outsiders, feeling like nobody's noticing them, feeling like a hopelessness, a lostness. We know from the research this is so, right? And you know from your own experience that people are not as happy as perhaps they want to be, right? Look at the prevalence of mental health issues. It's as we get more and more technological and as we get more and more advances in science and technology, the world is not getting a better and happier place. It's getting a more depressed and anxious place. Have you noticed? Again, I could quote um, articles, surveys around this, but you, you know this. You don't need me to quote research on it. Our role as Christians is to point people who are lost, who are searching to Jesus. And Jesus knocks at the door of people's hearts and says, why don't you invite me in? There's some of you who've been coming to church. You're not yet a Christian, but you're searching for answers. You're searching for meaning, for purpose. You know that you're not as happy as you want to be. And Jesus today is knocking on the door of your heart and he's saying, why don't you open the door and let me in? That's what he's saying. And it says so in Revelation. Can we put that up? Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Some of you know Jesus is knocking on the door. And he says, won't you let me come in and give you joy and contentment and meaning and purpose and forgiveness and welcome and eternal life? Um, painting, by the way, some of you will know, famous painting by Holman Hunt called The Light of the World. The door represents the heart of a person. Jesus is knocking on the door of that heart. There's no handle on the outside because the handle is on the inside. The person needs to open the door and let Jesus in. Some of you are hearing the Holy Spirit knocking on the door of your heart this morning. Let him in. Only you can let him in. How do you let him in? The simplest way is to pray a prayer where you turn away from living for yourself. You ask Jesus to come in and forgive your sin, and you promise to live the rest of your life following Jesus. There are plenty of people around today, including me, who would love to lead you through a prayer where you invite Jesus into your life. So please stay behind and ask somebody to pray with you. 
because you go, do you know what? I've been resisting the knock on the door of my heart for weeks and weeks and months. And do you know, today is the day. Today is the day. So don't pass up the opportunity. Third and lastly, we need to show people that they need to repent. Good old religious word, isn't it? Not used much these days, only from pulpits like this by people like me, right? You don't, you don't go down Costa or Tesco and say to the person next to you, have you ever thought of repenting? You don't, you, we don't use this language. To find faith in Jesus, Zacchaeus accepted the forgiveness of Jesus for his sin, but he didn't stop there. Jesus showed everyone that he'd found a new life following Jesus in action as well as word. If you want a summary of repentance, it's action as well as word. It's a new life. It's an about turn, isn't it? Complete change of direction, purpose, heart, mind, priorities in life. Boy, did Zacchaeus change direction. Boy, did he repent. Verse 8. Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. That's a lot. He must have been rich. So that's a lot of money, wouldn't it? And I have and uh, half of uh, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Interestingly, commentaries will tell you if you look this up that four times the amount would be what Zacchaeus would owe if he went before a Roman court. So he's saying effectively, look, guys, guilty as charged. If you, if you put me before the court, I'll pay back what I owe the Roman government, which is four times the amount I've extorted from people. Publicly, I'm saying I'm a cheat, I'm a fraud, I'm, a corrupt, I'm corrupt. And not only that, he's going to give to the poor half of his money. That's a turnaround, isn't it? That's a change of life, change of heart, change of mind, change of priorities. That's repentance. It's Zacchaeus was going that way, following his own agenda, and now he's going that way, following Jesus. Complete about turn. But there was one debt he couldn't pay, and that was the debt of his sin. None of us can pay that debt, can we? Only Jesus can pay that debt on our behalf. And Zacchaeus realized that when he invited Jesus into his home, he was saying effectively, Jesus, I need you. I need your forgiveness. And as he received forgiveness of sins and repented publicly, Jesus spoke over him these wonderful words. Today, salvation has come to this house because this man, a son of Abraham, is a son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. This sheep who'd wandered away and was in danger of being lost for eternity was in the sheepfold with Jesus, the good shepherd. Wonderful, yeah? Hallelujah. He has security. He has protection. He's under the care of the shepherd. He has good pasture. He has found life in all its fullness. That's what it means for lost people to find Jesus and come home. I think that's good news. Do you? People in your workplace, your family, 
and this is a reminder to me to be more faithful in prayer for them, are searching for answers. They're not happy. They're, they're finding life is falling short for them. They've got questions. And we have the answer in the one who said, I am the way and the truth and the life. I have come that you may have life, life in all its fullness. Our role is to point them to the Good Shepherd so that we might see those lost sheep, those injured sheep, those broken, disorientated, wandering sheep come home to the Good Shepherd and be safely brought into the sheepfold. I'm going to say it again. Jesus is knocking on the door of some of your hearts today. I'm going to say it again. Today is the day to open the door. Today is the day to pray a prayer, find a Christian, there's plenty of them in the room, and get them to do something uncomfortable to lead you to Christ. <laughs> if they don't know how to do it, find somebody who does, because I'll do it. But let's pray that all of us would have a greater passion, compassion, heart for the lost people. There are many. And we have Jesus to offer them. Let's pray. Jesus, forgive us when we are indifferent or apathetic towards the lost people in our community, our families, our workplaces, our neighbours, our friends. Father, forgive us when we forget to pray for them. Lord, I pray that those who are hearing you knock on the door of their heart today would let you in and find joy and contentment in you, Jesus, their good shepherd. Jesus, help us to discern those in our families and elsewhere who are seeking you and help us to help them find you, Jesus, and turn away from self and find you. Amen. Um, yeah, this last song um, is really a prayer. It's uh, asking God to give us power, boldness to share the good news of Jesus. Um, build your kingdom here. Let's stand and uh, belt this one out with joy and with passion. Are we ready to belt it out? Are we? Shall we stand? Shall we clap? Shall we smile? Steady. <laughs> ready?
Amen. So, Lord, uh, fill us with your power as we go out from this place, that we might be signposts to Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, I'm going to say again, if, if you want to invite Jesus into your life, if you want to turn away from your old life and follow Jesus and find life in all its fullness, stay behind here and someone will come and pray with you. Um, that would be an amazing thing to do today. So uh, otherwise, go and have coffee and tea next door. Bless you. <laughs>